Sometimes I found that a mistake becomes a very important part of the therapy. How you deal with mistakes is such a powerful part of how you develop relationships. Everything I say comes with a true false question. Even if we're going to have an argument later about, well, you know, is it or is it not? You tell me that because that's going to help us know each other better. And I'm aware of how many mistakes I have made in my life with all relationships, but certainly even in therapy with, with, with assumptions. It starts right here. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right here. Hi, I'm Tom Rutledge, and welcome back to Start Right Here. And with me is my good buddy, Dr. Alan Berger. Hey, Alan. Hi, Tom. Hi, Tom. We are starting right here today, aren't we? Every time. It seems, I think it's a, like a theme. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Hey, you know, but, but not, we, we just caught on to it. How many shows? <laughs> listen, listen. I, 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 well, I, you know, I, to, I told you, that, I've told you before that, that, I mean, we've both talked about this, that we have, we've written stuff in the past and then later you re read it and you re and like, especially my first, I look back at my first book, I go, I don't think I knew that stuff then, you know, cause, cause I wrote it in 1989. I'm going like, I didn't, that's really good. And I don't think I knew that. I certainly wasn't wasn't acting as if I knew right. that. And it's, it, but so who knows how that, that actually works. It's, it's, uh, um, the other piece is I, I like to tell people is we all, it's also, we're, we're, uh, I heard this in AA years ago, humans are forgetting machines. And, and so that this is one of those lower expectations thing. It helps so much to realize that the part the point of recovery is not to get a better memory, but just to be surrounded by post-it notes and that's what our that's what we are to each other as support people we're post-it notes yeah. that's just you know i I'm, i can tell a client something one day and i can need you to say the exact same thing to me within 24 hours and and when you say it to me it's gonna, it's gonna be like oh yeah i forgot all about that yeah. so true so it's i mean it's just it's, it's all about support so true yep. so true we're going to talk about confessions. Yes. I know we're going to talk. We were talking about confession. This is the first show I've had a little bit of nervousness about because, you, you know, you, you latched on immediately. I can't remember exactly how it came up, but it, when we talked about, hey, why don't we just do a show about confessions of, of therapists? You know, we've both been doing this for like, uh, you know, uh, 600 years or however long that's been. That we've been doing it. it Back in like, the days of dinosaurs. <laughs> We used to have a triceratops and a T Rex in the office. That's, yeah, it's like a, 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 ser a service animal. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, oh man, it's well, um, well, well, it's I, so well I can just like, there is a there is a new Jurassic Park cartoon called Camp Jurassic Park. Okay, if you're a Jurassic Park fan, it's on Netflix. It is so much fun. There's this kid who's playing a Jurassic Park game. And if you beat the game, you get an invitation to Camp Jurassic Park. 
And and it's it's a lot. They've done an, a phenomenal job on it. But I was just thinking the other day because the, the kids that were coming to the camp for this particular, you know, um, um, invitation um, pod or whatever they're called, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're in the lab where they're doing all the genetic dinosaurs, right? And they're hatching dinosaurs and stuff. And this one egg hatches, and they're standing there, and it's a baby Ankylosaurus. And that was one of my favorite dinosaurs when I was a kid, the Ankylosaurus. I just, there was something about, I thought he was just fucking cool. That's my favorite <laughs> I mean, too, actually. Was that your favorite too? Yeah, the club for a tail and the spike. Yeah, got this club and he's got this arm around his back. And, <laughs> you know, the T-Rex tries to bite him and he smacks him in the head. I mean, with his tail. I mean, it, it, it was a cool dinosaur. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's, that's. And all. you two have the same favorite dinosaur? You have the same favorite. <laughs> I thought you were making up a dinosaur name when you said yeah, what it Ankylosaurus. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> oh, so Maddie was not Maddie. Cece was playing because I brought the dinosaurs out yesterday mm-hmm. and we were talking about dinosaurs when we watched the show and we had them all out. And it's amazing. So she's like two and a half right now. So she's got these two brontosauruses. One's a little bigger than the other. And she goes, mommy-saurus and daddy-saurus. She she took the names and made a hybrid. Oh, my goodness. And that's pretty clever. That's a smart, no kidding. That's a smart two-and-a-half-year-old, man. Mommy-saurus and daddy-saurus. Wow. I was blown away. I know. I looked over her. And, and Jess looked at me and I looked at she said, she said, and then she did it again. I'm going, my mm-hmm. God, that's amazing. How, how she just put that together. She created that. Pretty, that's, pretty cool. that's, that's, that's a lot of syllables too. That's a lot of syllables. That's a lot, <laughs> a lot of, I, I could barely get it out of my mouth when I said well, it. It's a mommy source and a daddy source. It's like, interesting. All right. So look, this is therapist confessions, Mm. you know, or we we could say confessions of two therapeutic, you know, heretics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Listen, why I say that is because one of my favorite books all time, there's a couple. Mm -hmm. One was confessions of a medical heretic by Dr. Mm -hmm. Mendelson, who was a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. And who was head of the pediatric services at the University of Chicago's hospital um, or Chicago hospital. And he the book was he pulled the covers on the whole medical profession. He Love went it. with he, he started with this position is that and hopefully it's going to a therapist isn't as bad as this. But he said, <laughs> your job when you go see a medical doctor mm-hmm. is to get in and out with what you need with your life intact. <laughs> I mean, he says, especially if you go to a hospital, he says, a hospital is one of the most dangerous places in the world with all the infections that exist in a hospital. So you want to get in and out. You want to make sure they know who you are. They make mistakes all the time at confusing patients. I mean, it was a brilliant book in terms of what, 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 what this one American psycho uh, president of the American psychological association called um, turning psychology over to the grassroots or turning medicine over to the grassroots is empowering people so that when they go to get medical services, they can take some responsibility and, and take care of themselves. And that, 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 that's, yeah. you know, right. that's what I hope we're going to be able to do today is to talk about some of the blunders that we've made 
I, I know you've only made two or three, and but <laughs> I've made about forty-five. But but <laughs> no, I I'm, I'm teasing. Uh, yes, we've all made. Oh, you yeah, more than forty-five. I'm sure. I know. Yeah, maybe. it's a lot more than forty-five. My ego is only going to let me admit forty-five, right? Uh-huh. Now. I mean, it's, but you know what? There's a there's a there's a uh, there's there's a there's a positive application to this that you just brought up, which is something. Because I say this to people about going to doctors and to therapists, uh, 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 and that is, you know, be a good consumer of the service. Yes. You know, and 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 it's it's like, in, and I, and I, and I'll say sometimes people in our business will 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 forget that we are in a service service oriented business that basically, you know, when I say, you know, it's like one of the things I'll say to people sometimes and they, they some of them look pretty surprised. I, I say, look, I, I, my job is not to forget that I work for you. You know, you pay me and I work for you. And it's, and it's like, uh, and that your doctor does too. And I'll say sometimes doctors tend to forget that faster than social workers in my profession. It's, it's like, but, but, um, but it's important to do that. And, and I love that grassroots thing because, because the, the more we in, in on the people helping, you just will generalize it to the people helping business, welcome that collaboration or that consumerism, the better job we do. That's right. So that's, that's no, something I, we do, I, right. That's I, something I, we do, right. That's, that's good to point hey. that out before we start telling everybody to think of the things we've done wrong yeah, is right. that we did something right. Yeah. We got one. <laughs> We're gonna hold on to one. Now, Patrick, Patrick, you're 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 gonna be our 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 meter here, though. It's like if we if we if we just start sharing shit that shouldn't be shared, you just I mean, I think you're at the controls. You're the producer. Just just shut us down. It's like. (laughs) Patrick's going. This is not good for anybody. (laughs) Oh, thank you. All right. So when we're talking about this, one confession I have to make is that. I definitely am aware that I have some implicit biases. And let me tell you that what happened in this session. So I was working with this couple in recovery, both in recovery. And um, she probably had about a year and a half. He had a couple of years. And she was so frustrated with him. He was so withholding in the relationship and, and, people would label him as passive aggressive, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I forgot they were talking about one thing and she's just literally pouring her heart out to him. And she turns to him and say, is there, is there anything you could say to me? And he, and he goes, and he just looks at her and she just couldn't take it anymore. And she reaches across and smacks him on the arm. Mm-hmm. I think she hit him in the shoulder left. She was sitting mm-hmm. on the right side. She hits him in the shoulder and, you know, and then eventually he started to, to own some of what was going on with him and that he was resentful and didn't want it. And started getting honest about some stuff. So um, comes back for the next session and he turns to me and says, I got a beef with you. Mm-hmm. I go, what is that? He goes, what would you have done if I turned and I hit my wife in the shoulder when we were in the session? And I went, uh-oh. Yep. I go, wow. Yeah, I would not have, I wouldn't have sat here. Mm-hmm. I would have definitely objected to it and said, hey, it's not okay. We keep our hands to ourselves or something. I would have jumped yeah. in and said yeah. something. I said, he says, so what was going on? 
I go, God, I got a bias here. You know, I thought, you know, she's a gal, you're a guy, she's hitting you in the shoulder. You can take that punch. He goes, that's not cool, man. I go, you know what? You're right. It's not cool. I go, that was a mistake. I own that. And I'm sorry that I didn't say anything about it. I said, and I'm glad you're coming and saying something to me now. But what stopped you at the time from turning to me mm-hmm. and saying, what the hell do I do with this? You know, right. what stopped right. you from dealing with it at the moment? Because I'll own that I had. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I wasn't doing that to deflect. I really was right, doing right, that right. because it was part of the therapy. I'm going to look at my thing. And I wanted him to look at what stopped him as well. Yeah, no, no, and that's a good point too, Alan, because I think a lot of times the stuff that's going to come up that would probably come up if we just if we had a group of therapists doing the blooper stuff is that what we would be what we would be doing is is hopefully talking about creative things in which we inadvertently find ourselves a part of the therapy, which does happen. And, and it's like, and, and, and it's like, I think, the, and I believe this is my, my bias is my belief is that, that when, if it, if that's happening organically in the session, because it may be even because of a mistake that we make, then we need to stay there. We don't need to run that. We don't need to back up and start scratching our beard and saying, uh-huh. And, you know, tell me how you feel about that kind of stuff. I love the idea that you, yeah. So, so, so proceed, but it's, it's yeah, that, no, that, but that, was, that was one thing that came to mind because it was mm-hmm. such a striking example. Yeah. And, you know, and then he said to me, well, he's, he's, and, and it was interesting because he was, at, he was exploring the counter transfers. He said, he mm-hmm. said, did you want to hit me? <laughs> I said, you know, the truth is I am frustrated with how you behave in here, but I talked to you about it at the time and, and yeah. I took care of myself back then. So for me, it wasn't that it was just that I just have this idea that she's a gal. And so if she's yeah. going to hit you, it's not going to be as big a deal as, as if you reached across and hit her. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I can see I was wrong about that, but you know what that did? And I, and I got to say this in, 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 it really allowed me to repair the disruption or the rupture to the relationship with him by not getting defensive with it. And by really just holding him and, and holding the space for him and, and really taking a look at it and being honest with him about it. He really appreciated that because he didn't expect it. He thought I was going to do some psychobabble stuff and, and dismiss it or turn it around on him or anything like that. And he said to me at, at, when we did wrap things up, he says, you know, that was a real turning point because I wasn't sure I could trust you up to that point. Mm-hmm. But when you own that, I had a lot more trust for you. So this is the other interesting thing is that mm-hmm. sometimes I found that a mistake becomes a very important part of the therapy. I, yes, I, I agree. And I think that and I think that's a gen, we can also generalize that to, to the, how you deal with mistakes is such a powerful part of how you develop relationship. And it's like in this particular in, in the people helping business, a lot of times uh, it's almost like if we want to, we kind of can take a pass and we can sidestep it. And, 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 and defend ourselves by, by stepping back into the, what I call the beard scratcher role. But it's like, no, I agree with you because I, you know, I would, uh, um, yeah, even, I mean, I, when you said that, I thought, no, I, absolutely. I mean, just the idea of, you know, I, I tell people that, that 
every question, I said, everything I say, I said, I, I tend to speak like I know what I'm talking about is what one of my things I tell people. I said, so, so, and I said, you know, and sometimes I do. And, this, and, but I said, sometimes I can get really fired up about this. This is where some of my, my errors come because I can get really, I get as fascinated with, with my clients about therapy as I do with you. when we're talking about it and I can go like, I, you know, I can just, I can just take off, you know, and, and I realize turn around and look and can't find my client anywhere, you know, and I'm someplace, you know, way down the line. But one of the things I'll, I'll, I tell people is that everything I say, no matter how certain I seem is, is with, with, uh, is, it comes with a, a true false question. You know, you know, if I'm saying something that you, it just simply doesn't fit that you think is wrong. And, it, and it's, even if we're going to have an argument later about well, you know, is it, or is it not, you tell me that because that's going to help us know each other better. And I don't want to make, you know, because I'm aware of how, how, how many mistakes I have made in my life with all relationships, but certainly even in therapy with, with, with assumptions, you know, they, they get us in trouble. That's right. uh, yeah. I, I have, well, I have one that is, that is similar to that. It doesn't have such a wonderful um, outcome to the therapy, but it, it, it changed the course of, of my career somewhat. Uh, well, fairly significantly. I think I was, I was working, uh, I was working with adolescents, uh, alcohol and drug uh, with an alcohol and drug program with adolescents. Uh, and then I had gone into private practice. So I was seeing some of those clients and families uh, in private practice. And so I was in my private practice working with, uh, uh, this was a, a young woman, probably 16, maybe, uh, and, and, and what I found is I generally didn't have any problem working with the, the, the adolescents, but I talk about a bias. I tended not to do so well with the parents. Uh, and I, you know, and I think, I think we can say, that, I mean, I, I can make some arguments that I think this is all, it's just some of the stuff that was, was ba basically hitting me, hitting my stuff about, cause I was, you know, I lived my life as the rebel rebelling against everything. So, so you get, so I would get parents who were being controlling and I think it, it hit on those aspects of me. I won't go into all those details, but the, but the bottom line was the short version of this is, is I, this one young woman was telling me things that uh, about what was going on with her and my job at that point, because of the family therapy component was to sh be sharing all of that with their, with, with their parents. But I wasn't doing that because I didn't trust the parents. Uh, and, and, uh, so, so the confrontation, this, the, as the, uh, you know, Nashville, I was over on 18th Avenue South, had a great, wonderful office over on 18th Avenue South near music row. Um, is uh, that uh, Chad Atkins used to sit on the curb, literally out, out on the curb in front of my place because his secretary owned the building. Uh, and, and he would sit there waiting for a friend of his sometimes. And, and so, so I, I, my, I came with, Ch my office came with Chad Atkins. It's like, uh, so, but, but, but this conversation happened right on my front porch there. This, that's a cat's tail, by the way, if it goes in front of is, um, and, and he was, he found out some this stuff. I didn't tell him. And it's like, I mean, there was no, there was no harm was done, but, but it's like, he was just, he was just really mad at me. And, and I, and I, you know, and I, I didn't like this guy and, and he was talking to me and he was telling me all stuff. But the thing is, I was just standing there and I realized he was right. You know, he was absolutely right. I, it was, it didn't matter what I felt about him personally. It didn't matter what it's like. I, I was in the wrong. I, that was not my job to make that call. And, uh, and so the, the, that one, I felt 
sad. I felt humiliated. Um, I have no idea who might have been driving by on 18th Avenue at the time when I was being being blessed out by this guy. But I decided after that, I'm done with adolescence. It's like, you know, I, I need to work with people who are just responsible for themselves that I can do that because I and not not because, oh, I can't handle that guy. It's because I'm not good at this part. Yeah. You know, it was it was a moment. It was a moment after a while. I mean, I sure it wasn't perfect, but it was humility for me. It was like this is not an area that I'm going to be I'm not going to be excelling at. I can I and I do and I still work with some adolescents, but I work with them in conjunction with other therapists, other parents, parents. I'd be sure I'm real clear about all the boundaries and things like that. But but it's like it was it was certainly an embarrassing moment and one in which I was wrong. Yeah, that's that it is challenging, though, because mm -hmm. that. It's like, you know, it's that difficult scene. And I, I know what you're talking about because I've worked with some adolescents too. And, you know, the parents, you know, legally, it's it's even an issue that's debated a lot in terms of who yeah. holds the privilege, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, right. Does do the parents hold the privilege? Or do the mm -hmm. kids hold the privilege? And, you know, most people would say the parents actually hold the privilege, but then there comes this thing called you know, confidentiality is how do you respect the kid's confidentiality? It's, it's, those things are tough things to navigate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and people find that too, you know, when they're treating different couples and a couple and one of the couples calls you up and says, Hey, you know, I didn't want to bring this up with my wife, but I've been screwing an elephant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I've been having sex with animals or something mm -hmm, like that. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah, right. Right. You know, it's like not that I've ever had that happen. I mean, nobody's ever right. called me, but, but I'm just making a point that those these are challenges for every therapist in terms of what to do. Even if I get somebody, you know, that comes to me and is suicidal, right? In terms of mm -hmm. how many times do you put somebody on a 5150? Do you call the mm -hmm. police right away or do you try to work it out? You know, these are all all judgment calls, aren't they? Oh, that, there's there's let's let's not line this one up for the for the very next podcast. But that that's there's a session all unto itself too. If we're if we're looking deeper into the the work with with as what it's like to be a therapist is is the the suicidal stuff. It's like it's those are those are powerful those are powerful stories and and and, and they're very important and and it is. Um, when you're trying to have, have trust with, with people, you know, and, and well, the, the short version of it is if, if a, so many clients are aware that if they bring up the fact that they're thinking about, they're thinking about even thinking about killing themselves, that we will immediately shift into liability thinking yeah. that we will hospitalize them no matter what's whatever else they say. And, and there's, there's legitimate reason for that. There are people who are going to do that. And it's like, and what I always tell them is like, we got to find a way to, so that we, I mean, this is the most, if that's what's going on with you, life and death to be or not to be, that's the most important thing happening. If you can't trust me with that, then, then we got a problem. We've got to work. We got to work this out. Right. And so right. anyway, that's, that's, what, no, that's a different story, that. story, but, but let's do that. Oh, but it, so I, here's my second confession. Okay. This one is tough because I, I, you know, I felt a lot of pain about this one. Um, this woman came to me, she was in her, probably late twenties, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. um, she was sober, but it was a very um, unstable 
uh, recovery, mm-hmm. meaning she'd get a couple months and she'd relapse, get a few more months and relapse. And on um, one of her recent relapses, she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she was at a bar, picked up a guy, brought him home and ended up sleeping with him with mm-hmm. no protection. And she was really struggling. She couldn't hold a job on. She was, you know, very low fee client at that point in time. Um, I had a very aggressive sliding scale. I think I was seeing her for like 10 bucks or 20 bucks an hour because, you know, I I was starting out and I wanted to just get as much experience as I could. So, um, so she was seeing me and she was really good. I mean, she would, that 10 bucks was like a hundred bucks for anybody else for her. Mm-hmm. So it was really, but oh, I wanted, yeah. I wanted to pay something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I felt like yep. it's important that she get invested in some way. So, um, so she comes in and she goes, God, what do I do? Do I keep this child? Do I not keep this child? Mm-hmm. And so now we start to have a lot of dialogues about it today. I would have handled it so much different than I handled it before. Mm-hmm. But she was, it was one of these things where I was, I was young. I mean, young, both emotionally and professionally. Mm-hmm. And, and she was saying, well, what, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And at that point in time, I was falling in the trap of answering those things sometimes. <laughs> Right. You know, and I would say, you know, I think it's a tough one. I says, you know, how would you feel about abortion? She goes, well, I'm not against abortion. I go, well, then you got to weigh this out. You're struggling right now. And what would it mean to bring a kid into this thing? And, you know, Mm -hmm. she'd go on and I'd say, I just Mm -hmm. don't see that it's a good thing for you. Mm -hmm. So she ended up aborting at one Mm -hmm. point and maybe 10 years later. She gives me a call. She goes, I need to come in and talk to you. I have a resentment towards you. I go, please come on in. Um, So she sits down. She goes, you know, you really fucking weighed in on that thing and you shouldn't have. You said how you felt about it. And I've always wondered if you made that decision for me or did I make that? And I really resent you for that. I mean, that was my decision. It wasn't your decision. And I have to be clear on that. And and I haven't been because of that happened. And I've always wondered what if you didn't say that, would I have decided and stuff? And it's just made this very, very difficult for me to find any peace with it. And I said, wow, first of all, thanks for coming back in and Mm -hmm. having the courage to confront me. And that was really fucked up on my part. Mm -hmm. You're right. I had no business weighing in at all, even if you're asking me. That's your decision, you know, and today I wouldn't weigh in on that. I would have you struggle with the two parts of you. Yeah, you would facilitate the conversation between the two of her. Yeah, so much differently than I did. But, I, you know, once again, I was... I was very new, but, you know, I'm not excusing myself. It's still a mistake. I still was a licensed therapist. Mm -hmm. You know, that still was a mistake. And it's, it's, I felt terrible about it. I'll tell you the one thing that, that it did do is I have never made another decision for a client since that point. I mean, it really put home this thing about this is their life and it's up to them. And I really brought home what, you know, I think it was Carl Whitaker that said, the client is responsible for your life. The therapist is responsible for the therapy. And don't ever confuse the two. 
You are not responsible for the life that they've got to live. They have to make those choices and live it. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that's, it's interesting. That's and, and yeah, first thing I have is, is, uh, especially from the way you describe her coming back in is, is she would, you know, she was, it sounds, I mean, this is me making an assumption, but it sounds to me like she's working a pretty good program <laughs> at that point. It's, it's like, it's like, I'm going like that. If she's just coming in, you know, to, to I mean, and I'm not saying it wouldn't still wouldn't be legitimate, but just, just deflecting blame and, on, and, you know, just trying not to shame herself and that kind of stuff. But it sounds so, so like she was, she, I mean, to get, She'd spend a lot of time with it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, first thing I, you know, I thought, I just really thought, wow, good for her. That's what my wow is. My wow was the same as your wow was, was, was thank you for being here. How, yeah. how cool are you? How, how cool are you to, you know, to, to, to be here? Because it's, uh, but you know, the, the other thing about that is we, we, so we, we both told us what we've told a story about something we, that we, we, we messed up. And we screwed up on, and that that made a, a that we learned from that we made a choice choices, you know that the old the old uh, uh, redecision therapy only in adult life, you know the decision uh, to make it, it's like so mine was to say okay I don't think I need to be dealing with these these families of adolescents, yours is not, you know it's like a, a broader one a bigger one and one we all need to we can all benefit from. We can benefit from your story even. It's like so that if that shows up and, you know, if some somebody's asking me next week to make a decision, just in case I haven't learned that lesson, I, I love the idea that I can learn that lesson from your life so that I don't have to learn it from mine. And, and but, but I love what I like, you know, and I, I'm not, I'm not like you said, I'm not trying to let you off the hook, me off any hook. But the truth is we, we do make mistakes. People make mistakes. And if we're learning something as we're learning, as growing, growing into our business, into our profession, we're going to make more mistakes. It's like, like it, the, the, the thing about it in terms of self-esteem is, is, am I learning from these things? Am, am I, you know, it's, um, it's, I mean, I remember, I mean, I mean, this is a general kind of thing of, of, of confession, but I remember being, you know, when you first learn how to do this stuff, you imitate people. Okay. So you, right. you know, you know, eventually, you know, I always tell people in my, my training workshops is like, you know, if, eventually if somebody asks you what your model of therapy is, you need to be able to say mine, you know, not, not an eclectic or that this is this girl. Like it's, it's pretty much mine. It's like, like, but not at first because, because, you know, if you think, you know, at the beginning, so, so there I was, you know, coming out of grad, out of graduate school, working for, with clients. And one week I would be Albert Ellis, you know, just cussing people and yelling at them and telling them what they should do. And the next I'd be Carl Rogers and, you know, listening carefully. And these are the same clients. I mean, depending on what I'm reading, you know, it's like, it's like, I mean, I actually paused in some of my, my workshops just to, to, to thank our, uh, early clients of mine. I, the way I say it is, is, I don't know if they were just really kind people there, you know, who were even older than I was and certainly, and that they would let me be their therapist or if they were just stupid, but, but they let me learn on them. And, and it's like, you know, I remember I did Frank Farley's provocative therapy. I was going, oh, I love provocative I, therapy. Not many people read that book, Frank Farley. Oh, I mean, and, and, you know, and the truth is, I mean, my belief about that is Frank Farley can pull off provocative therapy like I can pull off laughing at everybody. It's like, you know, it's, you know, I have that sign that my friend put in my office that says, just because I think everything's hilarious doesn't mean I'm not taking you seriously. And I asked him, I said, why do you feel? He, he said, he said, you just laugh at your clients all the time. 
and, 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 and I go, well, yeah, it's, <laughs> but it works. It's okay. Cause they know, they know that I'm not laughing. I'm really not laughing at them. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the humor and things and I am taking it seriously, but I mean, provocative therapy was basically you listen for what the, what, what the person, especially when we're dealing with self-criticism and you just latch onto it and you become that, that should monster yourself and the critic. And I like, know there were, there were a couple of clients that, that, that left therapy during that time that I have, have thought, Oh my God! I, They're doing like, a Frank Farley impersonation. Yeah, if yeah. I can, if I can find those those people, I owe them an amends to to that. But it, but also just the inconsistency. It's it's, and I and I uh, you know I was reading a book at one point called uh, The Unquiet Dead by Edith Fiore. You know, she's one of those crazy people out there in California. Uh, oh yeah, never mind. It's um, you have a lot of fun. <laughs> it's actually a wonderful book, and I love I love reading about her work. And she's just a very smart woman. And it's like I don't, I don't know if she's still out there working or not, but it's like, but but I mean, I, I would still recommend the book. But it's she she was working in I, this was back in the the eighty the nineteen eighties. So we were into the world. I was into the world of metaphysics and reincarnation, and 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 hers was a about spirit possession, uh, not not demon possession, just spirits trapped on the earth who attach themselves to, to human beings, usually having to do with addiction of some kind, like having a hunger, like that kind of stuff. So she would actually treat. It was really fascinating because she would actually treat the, the, the possessing spirit if she could get in touch with it through hypnosis. So but the point being here, as far as my practice is one week, I did get, I did learn this lesson and I, and I didn't, I don't think I spoke at the wrong times, but I noticed everybody I was seeing that week, I was thinking, I think they're spirit possessed, you know, and I, and I, and that became sort of the end of the phase of my, my therapy where I, where I didn't let things sort of just incubate for a while before they started coming out of me. I would, cause I would just stop imitating people directly. Cause I, cause I thought, I'm pretty sure that's not right. I'm pretty sure that everybody I'm seeing this week is not possessed by, by spirits trapped on the earth. And it's like, uh, so I, it was just, it, sometimes it takes extreme examples to get my attention, but, but, um, but anyway, the, the other thing is, I mean, the other, other people uh, did put up with a lot of my inconsistencies going back and forth as I was learning stuff. Yeah, definitely. Now we'll tell one. I'll tell one that I, that I tell in my, my workshops. I'm gonna get my cat out of the way. My cat wants to be between me and whatever I'm doing. Um, but um, this is what I tell at workshops, and and I I've had more than one therapist come up to me during the workshop after in the break and say, I don't think I would share that one. It's like it's like, and it was it's it's just a client I'd seen for a long time. I still see her every now and then, and it's it's like. And I'm talking about something that I think is obviously relevant. And she, and she says, she says, Tom, Tom, can we talk about me for a minute? <laughs> and, I, and I always tell, I say, I, I tell it exactly as I did. I said, I said, my response was, okay, if we have to, it's like, let's do it. <laughs> And she did. And, but I had the relationship with that woman where it was like, it's one of those places. Cause I've certainly had therapists who've done that to me. And I know that I do that. Sometimes I try not to where I can, you know, where I'm identifying thinking 
you know, a little, little self-disclosure is important here. And then I'm off on some trail telling some story that, right. you know, that they, they, don't, they don't give a shit about. It's like, like, but, it, but, uh, and I, and she loves, I, I have told her that, that that's one of my best stories in my workshop and she, and she and I are good, on good terms and she, and she loves that. I tell that great, well, a great story. <laughs> I've, I've had a variation on that happen in a couple of sessions every now and then. <laughs> Talk about you. Yeah, right. I wanna, can I finish saying what I want to say or something like that? Go, oh, yeah. That's right. It is about you, isn't it? <laughs> We're very fortunate. I mean, we really are. I mean, I mean because um, people. I mean, people have been very patient with me. Is in my as a therapist. Well, and he, I, and, here's another mistake I made that, mm -hmm. that I, I think that I've. I've not made a lot of times, but, but I, I can see it was a mistake I made with this fellow. So he, um, he and his wife came to see me. They were in serious trouble. Um, he was being faced with domestic violence charges. Um, she was like 95 pounds and he was like 225. And he was holding her up by the neck on the refrigerator with her two feet, two feet off the ground and stuff like this. And it was a pretty serious offense. It was going to have an impact on his certification and licensing. And so it was a big deal. And so his attorney said, you know, it's best you get be proactive about this and go to get some help. So mm -hmm. he comes to the first session and um, starts to lay out what's going on. And of course, his assessment is that she's the problem because after all, she got him to this point where he wants to put her up against the refrigerator and, and choke her out. And, um, and he goes on and says, look, you know, um, I just got to tell you from the beginning that I've been in therapy for a long time. You know, I know myself very, very well. She's really hasn't been in therapy. She doesn't really know what's going on with herself. And, you know, he's laying out this whole case about um, how great he is mm -hmm. and how she's really should be my patient and that it's mm -hmm. just a fluke that he's there. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty good at challenging that. I mean, I don't shy away from that stuff. I mean, right. I take that on pretty direct. And I, I did challenge him at with it. But this is the mistake I made. I called him out on it. I says, look, uh, but I, I think I was too... Um, I was too easy about it. Mm -hmm. I think this is how I remember it going something like I go, look, you know, what you're telling me is that she's the problem. And I don't, I don't buy into that, by the way, I, I I'm going to, first of all, I want the space to be able to come up with my own conclusion about what you guys need. Cause that's why you came to see me. Right. That, um, I'm, I'm not hiring you as my consultant. I think I said to him, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't need a consultant mm -hmm. here. And if I did, it wouldn't be you. It would be somebody else because you're going to see this problem through your eyes, which mm -hmm. is part of the problem here. So I was good at that. I mean, I was clear on that message and stuff like that. And I even checked in and she goes, this is it all the time. He's, you know, he's always taking this one up position on me. So we, we kind of worked. But what I didn't do that I regretted doing and it really paid uh, pay or showed up later on. I didn't turn to him and say, so I need to know where you're at with what I'm saying to you. Hmm. Or, is there room for you to let me, for you to weave your consciousness with what I'm saying, or you believe strongly in your position, what I just said to you doesn't matter. 
See, I wish I would have found that out. I assumed mm-hmm. that I was so right on that it was self-evident yeah. what I was saying, right? right. That it was right. so powerful. And I didn't turn to him. And what happened then is over the next, I think I saw them together seven times. She was seeing another therapist that referred them to me. Mm-hmm. Out of those seven times, I think he showed up to four of the sessions. And what it was is he really didn't buy into that. He needed to look at himself. Wasn't right. going on at all. So she, after I think another session, he didn't show up. She talks to her therapist. She decides to divorce him. And then I get this. And then I, I get this call from him, an email from him. And he is reading me the riot act. See, this is what I told you. Look at she, you didn't help her. Now she's leaving. <laughs> Isn't this great? Now yeah. she's leaving. Yeah. Me. You know, you know, I'm going to be reporting you to the board. You're, you know, you're just a terrible goddamn therapist. And this is what I was mm-hmm. talking about is how the hell couldn't you confront her on these? I mean, screaming mm-hmm. messages to the point where I was starting to feel like I've got to watch my back when I walk out of this mm-hmm. office at night. Cause I leave at nine or 10 o'clock at mm-hmm. night. And I was starting to get afraid for my safety, my personal safety. Yep. This guy was so angry and so convinced about how wrong I was. And Oh my God, he would go on and on. And I swear, and it even happened. <laughs> So then I get these things from him and I just say to him, look, you know, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm going to go get a restraining order because you're threatening me. And if I get another one of these, didn't hear from him for a year, then he's in the middle of his divorce and it's going sour again. And he sends me another thing. See, see, see. And, and, and it was one point in time. It's, it was like so absurd. I said to him, you know, you have these expectations about, what I was supposed to do and you weren't even showing up to the therapy to participate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and yet mm-hmm. you're putting this on me. Mm-hmm. I had seven sessions with you and you showed for like three and a half of them. Mm-hmm. It was so interesting, but I can see my mistake was that in that first session, I needed to lay my ground rules down with him. That if, if I'm going to work with you, you need to decide that you can leave your head with my consciousness here or not. Cause if you think you're right, I don't need to get involved in trying to convince you. That's not my right, job. Right. Is to convince you. I'll be help you look at some stuff and become aware of blind mm-hmm. spots you have, but I don't feel like I need to be in the role of taking responsibility for something you're not responsible for. Well, yes. And, and I mean, at the, at the risk of sounding like I'm doing hindsight supervision, it's, it's sort of like, sort of like, that had been good. It's like, I don't, from what you're describing, I doubt seriously, you would have gotten much different results with this guy at all. I, I think this going to bounce I, right I, off of him. It's like, but what I also want to point out is when you said what you wished you had said, uh, is, is what I realized how many, how often I have heard you say something very similar to clients the way, and it goes into the, it goes to the, the, the thing we were just talking about stuff. St- we didn't know, we didn't know stuff before we knew stuff. It's like we, you know, part of part of there are things that I say and do with people, especially about 
uh, what uh, you and I've talked about before. My, my teacher, Jackie Demgard calls it, uh, don't never proceed without a contract. It's like where you're stopping long enough to say, do you know, do, do, what do you think about this? How do you, you know, yeah. like that? It's like, I'm sure there was there were times where you didn't have that as a part of your repertoire. And, and it's like, it's always as a part of your repertoire. Now it's like, it's almost like I, it would just be blatantly missing. If I was sitting there watching you work with a client and you, you gave an opinion of, of there was a definite opinion about something and didn't actually then follow that up with, with finding out what, where that landed with them. Yeah. And I, and so, yeah, I, I get that. And it also reminds me of, um, something that our friend, our mutual friend, Carol, uh, and the, our, our support group talked about one time. And that is looking back over her shoulder and always having compassion for the younger version of herself, yeah. you know, and, and it's like the idea that part of, part of hopefully what we've learned in our recovery is not, not to deny, not to minimize the power of some of our errors or our mistakes, but, but, but to realize that at any given time, we were always doing the best we could do. Same thing we teach other people. And it's like, right. it's, uh, yeah, it's, no, uh, and, and you know, what the other thing that I got out of that for me was this thing, it's okay to not help everybody that comes in my office Yeah, is, is to be able to say, no, I don't think this is going to work out. And, right. and, and it's so interesting that that wasn't an option a lot of times for me when I was younger. Right. Today, it's right. much more of an option. Yeah. In fact, I start out every, every time I work with somebody, I say, let's talk about, whether we're a fit or not, yeah. so we can have the option of saying no to this thing, right? right? As we get going, which you know what I just connected. That's why I do that now. Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. another decision that I adopted that, that because of every. That's right. Every policy I have, whether it be written yeah. down on the paperwork you get yeah. when you come to see me or whether it has come from a mistake, yeah. something, something I overlooked somewhere I didn't know. And I did that. Now, I, I will piggyback real quickly because I have a, a, a not, not that I'm calling that client a narcissist, but uh, it's uh, I, I was working. I was working with this blatant narcissist and his wife, and he wanted to come in to see me sometimes individually. I mean, I mean. God, I mean, he, I mean, they, they designed narcissism based on him. It's like, so I said, I thought, you know what? Sometimes when we're dealing with borderline personality disorder, people nowadays, we tell them that we tell them their diagnosis and we, and we do, I, I you know, and, 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 and they deal with that. It's like we, you know, the, the CBT stuff and all, all this other stuff. The, the, it's like, uh, or D, what is, I got the wrong letters there. Deep. No, you're right. CBD, cognitive behavioral therapy, yeah, DBT, yeah, yeah, dialectical behavioral therapy. That's it. That's the one I was thinking about. The dialectical. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Um, so I call up my friend David McMillan. I don't know if you know David. Do you know David from Nashville? Uh, psychologist I'd worked with for a long time. He and I bill each other, bill ourselves when we're working together as the exact opposite of each other. Uh, uh, he, he and this guy, he he loves to work with angry people. <laughs> He just he loves them and he loves to make people angry and, and and he's a very creative therapist but but he does a lot of work with with narcissists but he does it in the form of uh, working with them with his anger management program he doesn't call them narcissists but i called so I, I said david i'm going to treat this guy i'm, I'm going to do an experiment i'm going to treat this guy by telling him he's a narcissist teaching him about narcissism and we're going to i'm going to help him recover from his narcissism and david mcmillan the guy who would do not not he wouldn't run from a fight if if, if his life depended on it he said he goes don't do it tom 
<laughs> don't, don't do it. So a short version here is I gave this guy, I explained narcissism to him. I gave him the, a book that I was using at the time. It's called the wizard of Oz and other narcissists, which Wait. I think is a, is a great book. It's like, I said, I want you to read this and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk. He came back the next, the next session. And I mean, without the bit of, of there's no uh, humor. There was no irony, nothing to it. That man did a masterful job of taking everything in that book and making the case for how everybody in his life, including me was a narcissist, but he wasn't. It was like, it, it was, um. it was an absolute education <laughs> for me. And I, I was old enough. I've been doing it long enough where I was just, I just finished with going, okay. <laughs> you know, and I called, I called David up and told him, yeah, you were right about that. That didn't work out so well. It's, it's like, but it was an interest. It was such an interesting experience to watch to watch the guy work. And as often as the case with narcissists, our relationship was fine because narcissists, a true narcissist, narcissistic personality disorder can actually they just reset so you know nothing like nothing's happened so it's it's like it was a bizarre experience but definitely a mistake for therapy that i would that i will not do that one again yeah <laughs> that's fine and look i i i, I just want to say this if people are listening you know i take full responsibility and i know tom does too for what goes Absolutely. right and and eat what goes wrong in the, in the therapy and my mentor, Dr. Kempler, you know, was very clear that if the therapy doesn't go well, it's more important for me to look at what I could have done differently rather than blame the patient. Absolutely. He says, he says Alan, that's the only way you're going to learn. Mm -hmm. It's not about that somebody wasn't ready to get well. It's just that you didn't have the tools or the skills at that point that you were able to reach them. Mm -hmm. And he says, so you remember that if somebody's leaving the therapy, well, that's a lot easier to do than when that guy's blaming me for all the shit that I didn't do, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's, it, it's, it's interesting because I had one session with him that I really thought was a breakthrough. When he was in the middle of this stuff, he came back to me because he knew I was a straight shooter with him. And he sat and it was so moving. He opened himself up and was so vulnerable. And I thought, man, we turned the corner. And, and three weeks later, it was right back to the same shit. It's like he could not sustain that intimacy. And I couldn't, I couldn't anticipate that he was going to struggle with it so much afterwards. Today, one of the things I learned from you is, is to interpret how somebody's going to experience that later on. Mm -hmm. is to say something, you know, after this heavy session, it might get scary mm -hmm. for you and you might now get angry at me again. Mm -hmm. And if that starts to happen, I want you to register that this is going on yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've learned that from you in terms of some of the stuff. That well, we you talk. and you also just described that that whole oh, I call the narcissistic re reset too. that the idea that right. that that is and that's a defense. I mean, it's it's like, uh, you know, I had family members who have that defense. It's, it's, it's like it's like. And I've and I've actually told clients before, I said, you know, who are afraid to who, who get to a place where they really need to say some honest things to to a parent who, uh, who's who's narcissistic, you know, and they need to, you know, they need to say it to, to have said it, not not so that it's going to change the place. So you, you just need sometimes it's just a one way communication. I need to have said this to you, you know, and. And I remember one woman who, who was really scared to do that, but she did that with her, with her mom. And she, she described all the stuff that she had said. And she said, I'm really afraid of the next time I, I talked to her. And, and I, I knew that I, don't, I didn't ever, I never met the mom, but I knew the story pretty well. And I said, I think it'll be fine. I think you'll be, you'll be surprised that she will 
will respond to you as if nothing's ever happened. And she did. And it was like, but I, but what I showed to her was, but it's really important to always remember that you said that stuff, you know, that you, that you did say what you needed to say, even yeah. though she couldn't hear it. And that was her defense. She could, she couldn't hear it because it was, it's, you know, because people, what people don't get a lot about narcissism is they're so, they're so fragile. You know, so, so this is what I want to say to some people, because we said, how can you be a better consumer? Mm-hmm. So if what I would warn you is if you, your therapist has made a mistake and they don't own it and they somehow turn it around on you and don't take any responsibility, mm-hmm. run as fast as you can <laughs> to another therapist, because it, it's it's, it, you know, it, what they're doing, it's just. You know, I believe that if the stuff that I'm working with people is really has value, then it's going to apply to my life, not just my client's life. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this is one of the things that Dr. Kempler used to say all the time. You can tell a Gestalt therapist not so much by by what they do, but who they are, Mm -hmm. how they live their life. Wow. And are they following the same principles that they're teaching other people? Are they being authentic? Are they, you know, trying to learn from their mistakes, you know, are they applying the same principles that they're encouraging their clients to live by in their own life? And that's my measure. If you find that kind of a therapist, they're going to be able to do you an immense, a lot of good. They're going to be able to help Mm -hmm. you really take a look at your life and grow yourself. And that doesn't mean you're not going to outgrow your therapist because sometimes you do. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you move on and it's time for some new input and stuff like that. And that's okay too. And that's the other thing. If, if your therapist is having a hard time letting go and starts to insert doubt about you going out and, and, and you know, trying things on your own or backing off mm-hmm. sessions, mm-hmm. it's also not a great sign because mm-hmm. I, you know, I encourage my people, you see me as long as you need to see me. It's not that we have to meet weekly or we don't have to meet weekly. Mm-hmm. It's just that we're going to do what you need to do. Right. And the therapy is about what you need, not about what, what, what bills I have to pay. Right? Mm-hmm. It's right. based on what you need. And, and that's, you've got to get clear on that. And the other thing is, 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 and I don't know what your policy is about this, but I don't care how many other people people go and talk to if they're talking to me. I don't know. Me neither. <laughs> I don't care. If you get a good idea from someone else, come and share it with me so I can learn. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I I, 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 t- I tell people about that because, you know, sometimes somebody will uh, they'll, they'll decide they want to see somebody in, about something in particular. And then the, the, that therapist will say, oh, I'm sorry, you'll have to terminate the therapy with this other person. And I'm going like, like you know, I, I tell them, I, I say, look, I'm like homeroom. You know, it's like it's like I'm just here. It's like it's like like if somebody if, if somebody else, if, if you're interested in somebody else, it's like you can you can go away and stay away and you can come back anytime you anytime you want. It's like the, the idea, and, and I and I say, just beware of too many cooks spoil the broth theory. It's like if you got somebody that's telling you opposite of me, and you're coming to me, that could be confusing. But otherwise, it's like again, it's just about cons- them being a good consumer. It's like you know what you get here, you know what you, and you get to choose it. Nobody gets to choose that for you. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, you know, the policy I have is I I don't care how many cooks are in the kitchen. You know, what you taste is going to tell you which person to what, what right. and to listen to. And if what I'm saying to you sweetens the pot, then use it. If what they're saying, sweeten the pot, use it. Right. And, and like I said, my attitude always is, is that 
you know, let's, if some info, if you get information from someone that's useful then you, let's plug it in and tell me about it so I can learn too. Oh, I absolutely. Mean, I'm serious about that, that I want people to do that. But I, I, I want people listening to this to see is, is, is that's, that's the important thing is that you feel that this therapist is committed to your growth and your well-being, and 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 that they're not trying to control you. I've seen people in therapy with people that are very controlling, and the person misinterprets that is that they really care about me, but then there's no wiggle room. This person, you're checking in everything. A great example of this is what happened with the Beach Boys, Brian Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's just tell everybody that story for a while. Brian Wilson had a lot of trouble with staying in touch with reality. Mm-hmm. The psychosis may have been induced by the hallucinogenics, and he used mm-hmm. a lot of them at some point mm-hmm. in time. And he hooked up with this therapist that he really got very close to mm-hmm. and got closer and closer to. In fact, the therapist moved into his house. Mm-hmm. He was now co-producer on albums, co- mm-hmm. he was co-author um, on writing the songs, right? He, right, right. I, I mean, it, 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 I mean, a guy lost his license in California because of the boundary violations. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian Wilson wouldn't do anything in his life unless his therapist approved of it. Mm-hmm. And finally, Brian's wife had to take this therapist to court and sue him and have him removed from the house so that she can have a decent relationship with her husband again and to get him yeah. some other help. Mm-hmm. I mean, that happens. And it doesn't just happen with movie stars and, mm-hmm. and recording artists and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I just want you to make you aware of that, too, if you're out there. Don't so the the, the, the sum, summation there is don't, if your therapist is moving in with you probably it not might, a good it idea. Might, it might okay, okay. Not, there's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tom and I listen. We're not controlling you. We're, we're just not trying to. Do, we're not deciding for you. It's we're like, not deciding yeah. anything for you. But we would like you to consider if your therapist put, is moving in with you. Put put the part of you that wants the therapist to live with you in that chair and. <laughs> to, <laughs> Oh, my oh, God. Oh, my God. That's the sign, though, isn't it? If, if it's it, that far, it might be a problem, right? I, I love, I, I love, I, love um, I worked with the, with, um, the folks down in, uh, in, in, Ath- in Georgia. What was the name of the program that they had? The Moonies. Bobby Mooney. Mm-hmm. Dr. Bobby Mooney and had this great thing they used to do. You might be an alcoholic if, right? Like that uh, one. Oh, based on like the Jeff Foxworthy stuff. Yeah, like the, Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah, you might be a red yeah, yeah. if, right? Yeah. He goes, you might be an alcoholic if you're giving yourself an enema with vodka because you've got esophageal varices and you can't swallow the vodka anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> you might be an alcoholic if you've gotten three car accidents and you haven't even pulled out of your driveway yet. <laughs> <laughs> The the one I always learned when I was doing evaluations for alcoholism was the the guy that trained me. He said, he said, you know, you got to do You got to do these hour and a half evaluations, but sometimes you'll know right away. And he says, if the guy, if, if, if somebody comes in for an evaluation and before they sit down, they, they, they have a DUI and they blame the police for it. He said, he says, <laughs> you got an alcoholic. You might be an alcoholic if you've been arrested four times and every time it's the cop's fault. Right? That's right. Always the cop's fault. Those damn cops. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so That's this amazing. has been an interesting session. I hope that uh, we've 
shared some things that get you to be thoughtful about, you know, your experience you're having in therapy. If not, hopefully that we haven't scared you away from trying therapy. Right. And that you can see that, that we're just human beings over here too. And works in progress or works in progress. And that's what you want is, you know, I I always tell people, I would never go to a therapist who's never been in therapy. I mean, it's like, like, because not because they, and they they don't have to have the exact same thing I have. I just want to know they believe in, believe in the product. I want to know if they, that they, that, and that they don't see themselves as, as, you know, so true. And the way I say it is like, oh, I have so much, uh, you know, because mo- that's the truth about who becomes therapist. I mean, I tell people in my, in my professional training audiences, it's like we don't become therapists because we have so damn much mental health. We can't wait to share it. You know, we know, we, you know, we're, we're, we're we tend to be a crazy bunch, we, we tend, but we're seekers. We're looking, we're looking for things. And, and it's like, and, and we find, we find that we want to, as we find it, we want to share it. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, we're all works in progress. Okay. So how do they learn about your work, Tom? Um, if they still want to, after this, it, they could do that by going to my website, tomrutledge.com. And there's, uh, you know, free downloads and books, things about my books and stuff. Uh, our, our Alan's and my 12 uh, uh, episode video series is on there. Uh, many other things. So just check that out. And, and if you have questions for me, uh, you can email me from the website. Just, just shoot me an email. And you can learn about my work at abphd.com. That's www.abphd.com. And like Tom, I've got a bunch of uh, open sources for you to to download and look at. Tom's got a bookstore on his website. I have a bookstore. I've got some stuff that's available on Amazon, as Tom does. And so um, if you enjoy what we're doing, you know, please share it with others. Even if you don't, please share it with others. <laughs> we, yeah. just, we just want to get the word out. And yeah. uh, look, we're, ha- we're having too much fun, man. We want to well, keep doing it. That's the thing. And I hope you guys can hear that. Is that, you know, we take this stuff serious, but we're also laughing at ourselves and realize mm-hmm. that, you know, no one among us has been able to maintain perfect adherence to these principles, right? Nope. The point is, we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. Mm-hmm. We claim mm-hmm. spiritual progress, mm-hmm. not spiritual perfection. Absolutely. Amen. All right. We'll see everybody next next time. Peace. It's a spiral, not a circle. Goes round, round, round. The solutions be your own friend. Never say never. Look in the mirror, the trust the reflection Deep in your heart, start right here That's where it starts Right here Won't you look to your heart, it's always in